Welcome to the Danish National Biobank podcast. In this episode, we will meet three research software engineers that are trying to push forward quality software sustainability and raise awareness on the fundamental importance of software in modern research schemes. And so, for our part, we will try to give software its due. Yeah, I'm uh, Nico Sonnenschein. I'm a senior researcher at the Novo Nordisk Foundation Center for Biosustainability. And uh, I've been there like for five years. I uh, started there as a research scientist, but then over time I, I got a research group and um, I started working a lot on kind of the software engineering aspects of what we need at the center, uh, which is, you know, we need to engineer microbes and uh, we want to make, you know, advanced simulation methods and mathematical modeling accessible to like the people working at the bench and engineering those microbes. So, and that obviously entails writing software that non-experts and biologists can use. So I, I, I had a team of uh, software engineers slash computational biologists of like four or five people working on a fairly large uh, software project. And uh, this is uh, how I spent most of my time the last couple of years. Yeah. And uh, you? Okay, I'm uh, Kai Blin. I uh, am a researcher at the Novo Nordisk Foundation Center for Biosustainability. And my main project there is uh, running a large uh, microbial genome mining platform that tries to find interesting metabolite-producing gene clusters in the genomes of microbes, so bacteria and fungi, with the aim of finding new antibiotics. And uh, the software project is something that started out as a collaboration of part of my PhD thesis, part of the PhD thesis, of a student in the Netherlands. And we sort of still have been going on this for almost 10 years now. And it's a usually successful project in the field that we are. And so if we've reached a point a couple of years ago, I feel where sort of this had to turn from like a scientific software project where like you focus on, on getting new research in as quickly as possible into something where we realized that oh, we actually need to keep this alive and kicking for the next couple of years and we really had to pivot to like proper software engineering and that kind of thing so a lot of work i've been doing on this is sort of really working on software engineering and software architecture of like an existing project remodeling things to make them easier to maintain and keep alive thanks my name is bart wilkowski and i'm working as an it manager at the danish national biobank Danish National Biobank is also a center funded by the Novo Nordisk Foundation, uh, but uh, in contrary to Nikos and Kais, this is an infrastructure node, uh, meaning that we don't do research as such uh, in the biobank. Our role is actually the main role of the biobank is to support uh, researchers. And uh, as the name suggests, the biobank, we, we gather a lot of different uh, biological uh, uh, material mainly from humans and our role uh, 
is to help researchers with with developing their projects, with with finding out uh, available material and and so on. So we have a team of five uh, software engineers and data data analysts, including me, uh, in in the biobank, uh, and we work. Uh, with automation, automation of the internal processes in the biobank, so we can integrate the laboratory robots and other system into our central management system. Uh, but also we, we run a national system in the biobank, which is called the Danish Biobank Register, which actually allows the researchers to get the overview, quick overview of uh, uh, pre-existing biological materials, not only in our biobank, but also other Danish biobanks uh, for their studies. So they can avoid uh, um, writing applications before they really know that the, the, the material exists. So we're here at Farholm campus. Uh, a Novo Nordisk Center of Learning for an on-conference, as you've called it. We'll get back to that. Um, on software sustainability. Can you tell us a bit about what that means, software sustainability? Yeah, I believe the, the most uh, important fact has to be mentioned about sustainability is that uh, we want that the code, the software, which is which is uh, implemented by different people uh, with different experiences, is done that way that it can be overtaken by others. For example, uh, let's say if we have a PhD student which is producing software, we would like that to continue, so a new person coming in that position, for example, uh, can take over and not have to like reinvent the same thing just because the code uh, wasn't uh, easy to understand. It wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that covers pretty much, I guess, our, our shared definition of this, right? Really, I think uh, not a lot of focus in research software development is really on making stuff that stays alive for a longer term, because a lot of projects get built as a one shot for that one publication people are working on, and then people move on to the next project, to the next publication and so on. But then usually what happens for many projects is that three years later, new PhD student comes in, has a similar topic, and like people are like, oh, but we've had something like some years ago that some other PhD student wrote, just use that. And then you look at this and like, but like nobody understands what's going on here anymore. And the PhD student has long gone and is probably not responding to emails about the old stuff because he probably also doesn't remember anymore. So the idea is to, to level up the software engineering um, to a level where code is of a quality that it will sort of stay alive enough or sort of is easy enough to keep alive when people hand over projects uh, to like the next generation of scientists coming in. Um, I think an uh, interesting analogy is like if you, if, you, if you compare like software infrastructure like to maybe uh, equipment and uh, instrumentation that you have at institutes, like uh, obviously you need to maintain a microscope and uh, the service contracts and stuff like this, but there's not the same kind of, um, you know, focus on, on software, which, you know, has a similar kind of role of like, you know, infrastructure of managing data or producing certain results. It's not kind of on the same level of people focusing on it. Tell us a bit more about your reasons for hosting this on 
conference. So from the Novo Nordisk Foundation, there's an incentive of the different centers that are funded by the Novo Nordisk Foundation to, you know, work more closely together and collaborate more. And which is sometimes challenging because the centers have very different research topics sometimes. But the technologies, which are, you know, fairly, it's fairly agnostic in terms of what kind of research questions you're trying to answer, you, you still need to manage your data, you need to still, you know, write software that doesn't die if the PhD student leaves. So I thought it's a low-hanging fruit for people that work on software and IT infrastructure, the different centers to come together and, uh, you know, figure out how to collaborate because it's probably not that hard to find common ground. I also think that we could mention here the word awareness. Uh, in a way, by organizing this very first meeting like that, organized by Novo Nordisk Foundation, is also to, to bring awareness to different types of people about that software is important and also let's say to the foundation that that actually uh, this is a thing which is also important you can't get good research without good software uh, this is awareness for the phd students that they could actually code in a better way more uh, consistent way so others can uh, overtake so basically this was to show that this topic uh, is now more and more um, emerging uh, and, and, and we have to really uh, take this seriously if we want to develop uh, further in, in, in the era of big you know, data and, and, and growing amounts of, of results. Yeah, and I think a nice reason for sort of organizing this event as an unconference was that we all think that in order to affect any change that really sort of means anything, uh, you really want to build things sort of bottom-up instead of top-down. Because in our collaborative experience, a lot of initiatives that sort of get started top-down really fizzle out somewhere on the way because they're not hitting the actual needs people have. Whereas sort of organizing a grassroots movement of like people talking about the actual challenging uh, challenges in their everyday work really gets us to focus on the things that actually matter building the right solutions for problems people actually have instead of building solutions for things that look good in a PowerPoint presentation, right? And I mean, we could probably have found a handful of speakers who could give really nice and inspirational talks on sort of how to do better software development. But I'm, I'm very unsure this was ever going to move anything further apart from everybody saying, oh, this is an interesting talk. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was us kicking off the whole thing, but sort of once everything was running, it was participant-driven, right? And I think that gets people to really feel that they can actually influence things and make a difference. What does giving software its due actually imply? I think it, come, it comes back to Bart, what Bart mentioned about awareness. So... And also giving software it's due like that it's actually timely that a lot of not just us but also other funding agencies journals um, are realizing that software plays a very important role and it's uh, proportional it's not really you know supported uh, on the level that it should be based on its importance so yeah so i think the awareness of this is, I think it's, we're lucky that this is moving in a positive direction, I think. But will it really improve research? 
It, it already improves research, right? Yes. But it could probably uh, be even more effective if it would be, you know, get the attention that it deserves. Right. We, we had a very nice speech uh, from both our keynote speakers, but I, I can mention here uh, Timothy Gardner. So software runs the world. He, he mentioned something, uh, some facts which, which are very kind of scary in a way. That I, I interviewed 30 people across academics and industry and said, do you have these problems, kind of problems along the ones, lines I just described? And most people said yes. That, uh, let's say that the research groups can invest a lot of money in, in, in you know, uh, uh, plastic for the laboratory, you know, the, um, equipment labware uh, and in other places. But actually, when it comes to software, still in many places, uh, that people don't want to spend so much money. About half of the people I interviewed um, would pay less than $500 a year for software that would fundamentally transform their relationship with data. And I thought that was ridiculous, particularly because at my lab at BU, we were spending $18,000 a year per person for reagents, and nobody batted an eye on plastic and salt. The life, the, the landscape has changed over years uh, through new technologies. We generate more data, so you really have to invest into software, into technologies, infrastructures, because if you don't do that, I mean, you can buy a lot of lab where you have a lot of people, but they will be not able to handle this amount of data uh, properly. They can make mistakes. Uh. What is the most important thing for researchers to understand about these issues? I feel like people need to put this on the level of at least sort of important research equipment. Right? So, I mean, people are perfectly happy to, I don't know, spend money on a mass spectrometer that's going to set them back like two or three million krona or something. But then like for the ongoing analysis sort of what do you do with the data, pay another 100 krona for that? No, 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 this is silly, right? I can do this in Excel that I already have a like contract for or something like that. And sort of just making people aware that like there's a, a disparity here and sort of it actually makes sense to also invest some money in the downstream processing to streamline this um, can be beneficial. And I mean, this could be buying an off-the-shelf software solution or if there's no off-the-shelf software solution, sort of invest in like people and software engineers to build something that you can use for your specific research question. I mean, really depends on like your your research problems here, but it's sort of nobody would like really want to be like saving a lot of money on the on the mass spec if that means like getting much worse measurements. But then people are happy to sort of like throw away a lot of the results because they can't interpret them if you're just using Excel, right? And I feel like this is a bit of a disparity that we sort of need to get people to understand. It's still a waste of money if you're not doing anything with all your cool results that you have in the raw data because you never see it in like the noise of data you're generating. Why are some researchers lacking this understanding, do you think? I think that... Like one thing that also came up during a keynote was like, like software is fairly invisible. If you buy an expensive piece of equipment like a mass spectrometer, it's something physical that you can touch. You, you go there and it has a blinking light and it produces yeah. fancy data. While software is this, well, you can install it on your computer, you can go to a website, but it's not visible how much work it is to build. It's not really visible like in terms of the actual work and the code 
that, that needs to be written in order to write you know, a piece of software that has an easy-to-use interface that scientists can use. Um, if you would ask scientists what the value in this is in uh, Danish krona or dollars, it's, it's, there's a huge discrepancy in terms of how much it actually costs to build that versus like what people think they should pay for it. Right. People also should try to to not reinvent the wheel. Should uh, try to actually use the existing solutions. They should try to actually uh, integrate together in a way. I mean, maybe use the same infrastructures just to simplify the collaboration. Uh, so 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 also also bring awareness on that level because many of the people, all of the people attending the workshop. They know that software is important. Many researchers above them who are not uh, like uh, software engineers, they also understand that. But now we also need to go farther and then also try to join together, getting more synergy and like reuse what was done, maybe, you know, build up on it. Not always it's possible, but when it is, I mean, try to investigate it before you really move on. But how do these issues look from the perspective of the Danish National Biobank? Yeah, in, in a biobank, we, we are kind of in a little bit different uh, environment than the rest of the of the centers. And, and, and of course, as I mentioned before, it's, it's also because we are uh, not a research center. We are an infrastructure center. So we also kind of... Uh, Hired, we have teamed up people who have the uh, software engineering education or a lot of uh, years experience. So we are not struggling so much within the group uh, to actually, I mean, we don't need to get the awareness of that it's important. We try to build things and system in a, in a fashion which could be reused in the future. So you see a future for the biobank with the stronger focus on software yes because we we supporting also other biobanks we are one one of the other aims uh, the first one is to support researchers but of course other aims for the biobank is is to actually also uh, like uh, spread the word share experiences with other biobanks with other groups like that there are many biobanks without it uh, groups uh, in it so we are trying to help we're trying to produce something they could use uh, the Danish Biobank register uh, has been closed in Sweden uh, and our software was used directly down there because people thought it was nice. Uh, they wanted to establish it in Sweden, but they didn't have resources to build that. So this is also our role. And we have to like cover all those paths, all those angles, which, which we really like because we like to talk to other people. We like to help. Then you need more resources. What are some of the strengths of the software in the Biobank? I mean, when it comes to the, the biobank register, uh, the, the, the biggest strength is that it actually links uh, millions of data from the Danish um, registries, health registries. Uh, for me, what is there if I'm a researcher, if I want to start a project on some uh, very, very um, interesting topic, um, you don't have to really touch the data. You can get the quick overview thanks to systems like that. And they don't need to really apply, get permission, because everything uh, you get from the system is, is given on an aggregated level. So you don't get the individual level data, but still it, it can validate your hypothesis for a research project right away without you spending a lot of time and without you spending a, a, a lot of 
resources, also financial, to actually find out, oh, sorry, but my, my hypothesis is not viable. I cannot run it because there is no material, for example. I think this is the strength of that system. Uh, and, and, and that's why uh, we do it. That's why we talk about it and, and uh, collaborate with the other countries. What kind of opportunities do you guys see further down the road from this point? I think uh, just on this occasion that we came all together is a very good start of like, first of all, realizing we're all in this together. And uh, as Kai mentioned, like as a grassroots movement, bottom up, like can be together, you know, playing kind of a long-term game, like can we um, uh, initiate change by uh, identifying issues and then, you know, coming up with like solutions and uh, trying them. Um, some of them will like succeed, some of them will fail. Um, if we're patient enough and we, we stick together, I think we can, you know, initiate change for the better. The two days we had here also were a very good opportunity for people to sort of network a bit better. And I mean, this is not the first attempt at like, getting the networking started, but uh, Again, because people work on different topics scientifically, I feel like going at this from a technology perspective actually allows people to see more what's in it for them, to actually invest some time in this. Because it was something people felt strongly about, people were really interested in, but also people had some solutions. Instead of combining all of these, I think people came up with a really nice list of suggestions that people can now take home and implement. So you're talking about realizing the potential and realizing ideas and solutions that have come up during this meeting. And so staying in that frame of mind, what are your hopes and expectations for the future? Not for this particular group, I mean, but for the software engineers working with researchers in general. How will the future look for them and uh, what kind of changes do you think we'll see in the field? Like in, in the long run, I don't think sort of single discipline science teams are going to move a lot of sort of or are going to push science forward a lot. So I, I think we're getting to a point when sort of a lot of research questions are getting fairly complex and you basically need to assemble teams of specialists to tackle the question, right? And what you really want to be getting at is that on your team of researchers, you might have a bunch of molecular biologists, you might have a bunch of chemists, you might have like a data scientist or a statistician, and you might have like software engineer and so on. And everybody's sort of collaborating on sort of moving towards this shared goal of like getting the research done, right? And I think we had one session that really talked a lot about sort of how to get respect as a software engineer, because people felt that this was missing at the moment, but really sort of I think science is going to be a lot more about what everybody can bring to the table and can input into the overall collaborative project. And I think this is where science is heading overall, right? Because again, I think the days when you can like have a bunch of biologists sit together and like run a couple of experiments in the lab and then like write a nice groundbreaking paper on this, they are pretty much over. You really sort of are tackling the more complex questions and you need a, like a team of specialists because not no single one discipline can sort of tackle 
the big research questions anymore. And so the, the main goal is sort of to try and sort of build like the foundation for making sure that the software engineering people will actually have a seat at the table instead of being relegated to the kids' table somewhere in the corner. And that's not only about like making sure the researchers take the software engineers as full members of the team, but it's also like as part of a confidence building thing for the people who do the software engineering. This is a team effort and they're bringing in their strength to the team. And just as you have a sports team, I mean, not everybody uh, gets to be like the people who, uh, who are in the front and score the goals, right? There needs to be like goalkeeper in the back. And like, so, I mean, you, you, you have a bunch of different people specializing on different things and to make the team work, you need to have all of these roles covered. And sort of getting people to realize that sort of from all sides, that's sort of, I guess, the, the long-term goal we're pushing for, I feel. I strongly agree that that the the position, I mean, that seat for a, a software engineer in the in the in the diverse group uh, working on some project is has to be equal. It 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 can actually boost and speed up the whole process of of, of development of of new projects and new ideas. Thank you for listening. If you found the topic interesting, I would like to hear more. Be sure to check out our two specials with the unedited, unconference keynotes from Carol Gobble and Tim Gardner.